Global Diplomacy Lab. Coffee Break. With Khaldun Asadi. Welcome to another episode of the GDL Coffee Break podcast. We introduce you to the work and ideas of inspiring experts within the Global Diplomacy Lab Network. As always, we want to get an insight into the work routines, perspectives on global challenges and sources of inspiration from our wonderful guests. Enjoy your coffee or whatever hot or cold beverage you prefer along the way. And please consider the show notes as they provide further information on the topics raised. Today, I am talking to Dulgan Batmonk. She is the Knight Hennessy Scholar at Stanford University and pursuing an MA in International Policy Analysis. She formerly worked for the German Federal Foreign Office and the Konrad Adenauer Foundation in Mongolia. Hi, Dulgan. Hi, Haldun. Thank you for having me. Great. It's great to have you. Dulgan, I think this time we need to take a bit of another approach because, I mean, you're the Knight Hennessy Scholar at the Stanford University. And I think our listeners would be really interested in uh, how to get there, first of all. <laughs> and, and, and second of all, maybe you have some tips uh, when it comes to studying and being as effective as possible or as productive as possible uh, when doing the MA that you're doing. Well, these are all great questions. I'll try my best to answer them. As I've mentioned, uh, I've started in September 2021 uh, my uh, graduate degree studies in, at Stanford University as a Knight Hensley Scholar. And the Knight Hensley Scholarship is an internal scholarship program provided by the Stanford University itself, uh, funded by Phil Knight, the co-founder of Nike. And co-initiated with uh, John Hennessy, the 10th uh, president of the Stanford University. And basically, it aims to uh, prepare the next generation of global leaders who are willing to tackle global challenges from different perspectives and fields. And well, yeah, <laughs> before coming to Stanford, as uh, you have mentioned briefly, I worked for different types of organizations from government to think tanks. And um, I think all these past projects and implementation of different like types of uh, programs that I've done uh, back in Mongolia as well as uh, in cooperation with German organizations uh, specifically have helped me a lot to learn not only about my country, but also to accomplish certain things in terms of like giving young people a better proposal participation at the political decision-making level, as well as strengthening networking between mid-level career women. Wow. I mean, honestly, your, your <laughs> CV is just, it's impressive. What does it take to get this scholarship? What are the prerequisites to do what you are doing? Basically, you do like two different types of applications in order to become an enhanced scholar. First, the graduate degree level program that you want to get into, uh, which is like purely academical and uh, like any other university out there, I would say. But for the enhanced scholarship itself, it's a very unique application procedure that they have. I would say one of the most like interesting ones that I've done in my life. So 
the three basic core requirements that they take are uh, they require the uh, Nighthansi scholars to be like independent thinkers, meaning you are respectful for the um, way of thinking of others, but you do have your unique way of seeing about global challenges, uh, your own local perspectives and issues, as well as a mindset to tackle them. Uh, second, it's purposeful leadership, meaning you don't only think about being a better leader at any type of organization, but you should have a purpose to help others to improve the life quality of other people. And third, it's a, a civic mindset. What One of the things that I've like see from my fellow scholars here is they're pretty down to earth, I would say, briefly, um, and are very oriented into like understanding the challenges that each and every one of us faces in our society. And we want to have the approach of like being one of the citizens who are aiming to tackle these issues that we face day to day. Thank you. It's really important for the people that are aspiring to become leaders and maybe are not empowered yet to get to know the procedures of applying for such a scholarship. Everyone should have a fair chance in, in trying to do so. And that's why I think it's so so good also to talk about the procedures as you have laid them out. But now maybe some practical advice. What are you doing in terms of, you know, study routines? Well, that's a very good question, but I would say I'm still on my way to find uh, the best way for me to make this possible. I mean, I've been like away from school for about six years, so it's been a struggle for me, like getting adjusted back to student life in general. So uh, not having a fixed routine, I would say, and having so many different like possibilities and interesting people from all walks of life is definitely one of the things that, one of the perks that I have at Stanford, but at the same time, one of the challenges for sure. In terms of grades, uh, since I'm not currently like planning to do a PhD, I'm not very like concerned about that part. Uh, though, thing that I'm more focusing on is the experience that I'm actually making here and as well as to try out different things and also learn from experts from different fields in order just to get to know what's out there out of my discipline, right? So that's what I'm more, I guess, more or less focused on. That's a really important insight because what I got from you is that it's important to be open to engage with the perspectives of others to get the insights into the into the knowledge of the scholars that you're spending time with and pursuing knowledge in terms of the things that you care about most. That is very correct. And I think the good thing is when you get back to school after certain years and you have professional experience, you know what you're more interested in and what you're looking forward to and what kind of like skills you want to develop in further uh, just to become a better person throughout the experience that you make at the grad school. Mm -hmm. You're pursuing this master also because, I mean, as you said, this is a program for future leaders. And that's why it's all the more an honor to talk to you. But that means that you are also sensitive about global challenges. What I'm interested in is what is a global challenge that you see that we should be, you know, focusing on more or that we should more emphasis on looking at? Um, that's a very nice question. Well, I think after like graduating from Stanford, I will be 
continuing working in the development cooperation sector because I truly believe that only through like proper and efficient cooperation will tackle the challenges that we are working towards on. And the specific thematic area that I'm interested in is more uh, in the education policy sector, meaning after working for about like a number of years in the development cooperation sector, I realized that education is one of the key factors which can have a broader, impactful, and I would say long-standing sustainable change in our lives. So in our societies, I mean, so in that terms, I'm focusing more also currently to understanding the challenges that each and every country faces in terms of education. What are the core like differences between all the education systems and how can they be like in terms of like uh, adjusted just to give everyone the chance to learn to get like higher and quality education and yeah become the best versions of themselves in the future can you give us um an example uh, of where you have experienced the important impact of education within the development sector well Working in the German government as a local staff member for the German Development um, Economic Cooperation and Development Ministry, I realized that the projects that we have supported in the technical vocation education and training sector were one of the most impactful and life-changing projects that we have supported and implemented in cooperation with the Mongolian government because it nurtures not only employment, but also brings like a different set of like uh, life quality to every individual that is benefiting from all these projects. There are a lot of people these days that say, you know, institutionalized forms of education are good, but not necessarily as much needed as before in times of open source knowledge databases. How would you see this development, especially for countries that are developing countries, uh, how would you see this whole topic of, of open source knowledge in terms of the impact? Uh, that's very true. Actually, the whole concept of education is evolving and changing. And I definitely believe it will be disrupted within the next couple of decades, for sure. Because first thing, uh, the life expectancy of uh, humans are just like getting longer and longer and getting uh, around the age of like 100 will be like within a matter of decades, only uh, something very really ba basic. So do you believe that only one career or having one uh, established career or profession will be outdated pretty soon? So trying out different things and then like trying, I would say switching professions and fields pr probably also like within like three to five years, every other would be pretty much like normal in the next couple of decades. So in that terms, I truly believe that the education that we are actually having right now through the institutions, schools, universities, vocational education trainings, or even online uh, like learning will be disrupted for sure in terms of like the people will be more or less getting in a much more like shorter period of time, the knowledge that maybe people were able to obtain within like 10 years several decades ago. So in that terms, I truly believe that uh, the education system will be just quite different within only a, a short period of time. When you talk about disruption, what do you think will be the disrupting effects on 
developing countries, the global south, with this vastly available and freely available knowledge that we have? That's a very good question. Well, um, for sure, the population growth of the global south is one of the factors that will divide them with the global north, for sure. So in that terms, the speed and also the, the opportunities that the population of global south will have in the upcoming next decades, we definitely, I would say, more or less getting improved in comparison to the past decades that we had. I've recently made a very small like class project where I try to understand the complex situation of the education system in California, meaning how the socioeconomic background influenced the education level of one in public schools. And what we have found there was that definitely for sure the residing area, meaning if it's a poor or rich neighborhood, if the school funding is like higher or less and as well as the even the education background of the families, meaning the parents, has a definitely a big impact on children's education. So, meaning that uh, seeing that, I uh, was very convinced that education is not the only answer. We have to work around like from different perspectives to actually give education the chance to have an impact on individuals' life and make a full use of, out of it. Other than that, just like working on making education accessible is not the only answer. It's more about how it will change the whole life living situation of an individual and giving the opportunity to them to focus on their education and get a better quality of life out of there. So in that sense, I would say it's not like definitely for 100% for sure that education is the answer, but it is one of the answers. And for that to make it happen, we'll definitely need the cooperation of the other sectors as well. Thank you so much for that perspective. Let's talk about inspirations. Because honestly, it is so interesting to see on what you're working and how you see the complexity of issues. And, and I'm sure in the future you will tackle these and, and others and, and hopefully find great solutions by yourself, part of a team to those. But as far as you know, as I've heard from the other wonderful guests that we had on this show, they always rely on some sort of inspiration. So I would be really interested in what your source of inspiration is. Mm -hmm. For me, I don't have a like one unique role model that I look up to. I get my inspiration from different things and different people. Uh, in terms of like the people in my life, I would say my mother is definitely one of the sources of inspiration that I have. The way she actually manages to tackle her everyday like work and then also be so compassionate about others is one of the things that I truly admire about her and uh, take an inspiration from. Other than that, um, there are for sure, like different people in the professional field who I also look up to, for instance, Merkel's resilience towards others, Obama's charisma, and so on, so on. Um, but when it comes to like inspiration from things, I would say like the conversations, quality conversations that I have with people from different walks of life. The good thing about being in an international uh, community like now is that you have the chance to have conversations about the most different, different topics that you were maybe not aware about before, uh, just right there. And uh, yeah, try to understand their perspectives, their like stories is one of the things that truly inspires me. 
I really liked the example that you gave with your mother as being a source of inspiration. Would it be fine if I would ask you maybe to give an example where you experienced the way your mother is so compassionate, as you have said? Well, she's someone who puts always the happiness of others before her own, I would say. For instance, the way she gave up on her career and decided to move with me to Germany when I was a little kid and to give me also a better education was one of the things that uh, when I think back, that was not very like selfish in terms of like she would have chosen to pursue her career in Mongolia, it would be definitely fine. And she would have also an amazing life career-wise. But instead of that, she chose to provide me with better education, understand the different perspectives of Western and Eastern cultures from a very young age, for which I'm like thankful for, for the rest of my life as one of the examples I could like mention at the moment. And the wonderful thing is that because of your mother being so compassionate and having taken the decision that she has taken, she created the path for a future leader to arise, if you will. And so her deed in that way has somewhat an impact, not only for her or for you, but for many more people that uh, you affect with your work. So Dulgan, it was amazing to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking this time. Thank you so much, Haldun. It was a, such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the GDL Coffee Break podcast. Executive producers are Nele Finsel and Lea Schindler. Audio production by Thomas Reintjes. Visual design by Juli August. Music, Brett. Produced by La Crembo. This is your host, Khaldun Asadi, and I hope you tune in next time. <laughs>